0: Hey school success makers today we're joined by my new friend Sarah who is the founder and director of her hybrid school located on the space coast of Florida which is where NASA and SpaceX regularly do their rocket launches so they got that pretty much in their backyard and they have this unique model of being a hybrid school we dive into all of that teacher retention teacher recruitment and a ton more so please enjoy this next episode of the school success podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the School Success Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Slater, joined by a new friend out of beautiful Satellite Beach, Florida, Miss Sarah Ingrisani, who is the founder and director of Coastal Community School there in Florida. They have a very... interesting and different model that I hadn't really heard of until I talked with her, which is the hybrid model. They do three days in person and then two in the homeschool world, which those that have listened to some of these, you know, I was homeschooled my whole life. So I love that model uh, and that they have that option, but we're going to dive into some things that they're, uh, their challenges and some things that are going awesome for them, but I don't want to take any thunder away from miss Sarah. So I'm going to pass it off to her to introduce herself. So Sarah, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: We're going to have a blast today. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I always like to start with small talk in the beginning, so I usually like to say, hey, what do you like to do for fun? Obviously, you live right by the beach. I don't know if you're a huge beach fan, but what do you and your family like to do for fun? Yes, yeah,
1: so I have two children, 12 and 9. Um, they both attend the school, and our family has been in this area for almost 15 years, and we do. We live very close to the beach, and we enjoy that. But we discovered a few years ago that we love being actually on the water more. And so we are a boating family, and we love to be out. Um, My son and my husband are avid fishermen. My daughter and I love to just be out there with them, enjoying it. And sometimes we'll throw a line out every now and then. (laughs) So (laughs) we enjoy that as well. And we just love living on the Space Coast. It's a really fun place to be. Um, to have um, a lot of entertainment nearby. Orlando is an hour away so you have all of that and then you have the Space Center that is you know 20-30 minutes just north of us and of course we have all of the um, the water sports and water activities so it's a great place to raise kids.
0: Love it. I know you You obviously got military base right next door. You got obviously space launches from Mr. <laughs> yes. Elon Musk and SpaceX regularly. So that's got to be pretty cool to have kids to be able to watch that growing up, I'm assuming. Yes, right? yes.
1: We t- we try to remind them often that this is not normal, like do not take it for granted, you know, because it's very easy to do like, oh, oh, there's another space. There's another, you know, shuttle going off <laughs> today or, you know, a rocket, I should say. Sorry, rocket. I will correct my my terminology there yes um and so but it is fascinating every time it's just just as fascinating to see dolphins right next to you it doesn't get old seeing dolphins doesn't get old seeing rockets doesn't get old seeing you know the beauty of the sunset on the ocean does or on the river or the sunrise on the ocean excuse me does not get old so we um, definitely don't take it for granted (laughs)
0: And it still blows my mind that we can go to outer space like that whole, especially when you like rewind back to, you know, 30, 40 years ago, all that stuff when we were, went to the moon, you know, 1969 or whatever that it was. That's crazy to think that we can do that. And then when you see SpaceX and these, when those rockets land and they land on a freaking dime, I mean, just like exactly where they told them to go. I'm like, this is incredible. Like, how is this even possible that we yes. can do this? Yes,
1: and you actually feel when there's re-entry, you, there's a sonic boom. And so you're kind of, your sliding glass doors will shake a little bit. It kind of sounds like a little earthquake. And you're like, what was that? oh, there's, you know, a reentry, or, you know, there's some, oh, that was the sonic boom and you hear the rumble. You hear it. It's really, really cool. And, you know, it's been interesting too, as far as your, our student demographic and population, we, um, you know, people make jokes about rocket scientists. And so we actually do have some parents that are rocket scientists, you know, you're like, oh, I, I'm not, I'm not a rocket scientist. Well, actually some can say they are. <laughs> and, they, and we had, you know, we've had students do, um, of course they have lots of access to learning about space and so we've had students that have done interviews with, you know, rocket scientists before for their projects and so it's great access for them for that for that learning that often fascinates our youth, you know, space and astronauts and the unknown. And now you're right with Elon Musk, we have the Mars missions and it's very fascinating for students, especially when they get to see it so up close.
0: Yeah. I know my almost three-year-old, he loves shuttle launches, rocket launches. We've watched the old shuttle launches on YouTube and he is just just mesmerized. We got him a little shuttle toy (laughs) that he can play with. So he's into that and dinosaurs. So uh, typical typical. little kid. (laughs) Great. Uh, So you started this school, I think back in 2014, I think you got the start or the vision for this. Is that right? That's
1: correct. That's correct. My my son was going into kindergarten and we were looking around at uh, much like all parents do right you consider all of your school options i was raised uh all the way through um, almost all the way through one of my masters is through a private school but i went through public school my husband was privately educated through middle school so we had lots of conversations in our home about uh, what would best benefit our family and our children and we started to look at private schools and Uh, I had the opportunity to teach at a school like Coastal when we were living in Orlando early in our marriage, and it was a wonderful school, and it was hybrid, and I thought, wow, this is just the best of both worlds. You know, parents um, have some hand in the learning uh, and the instruction without all the responsibility of planning, and teachers have you know this, um, this really nice schedule of teaching a few days a week and maybe getting a couple extra days to themselves for whatever they want to attend to. And so I did teach in the model for a year and got to know the benefits very well. And then we moved over from Orlando to the Space Coast and started our own family. And I kind of forgot about it for a few years until it was time to look at school options for our son. And I we did not have anything like this on the Space Coast. And I, you know, we just were really thinking, you know, about what would it look like if we started something like this. So we, you know, sent out some flyers um, just to friends that we knew. And and I'm a, a lifelong educator. I was working in our local school district for many years and so I was very familiar, and I had an itinerant position, so I was very familiar with what, what the pulse was on schools in Brevard County. Um, I was very grateful to have that lens, and so I knew what some of the needs were. I knew what we had and what we offered and where different school offerings were, so I knew where we could fit in as far as in the school marketplace, and uh, yeah, so we, we, you know, put out, had an information meeting in May 2014, and people actually showed up and they came. And a lot of the people that that were there that day um, were the founding families. They started the school, they came alongside of us and they became the board members. They became, you know, the the best parent volunteers ever. Some of them became staff. And we started uh, in August of 2014 with 15 students. And in kindergarten through sixth grade and as of today, which actually we just finished our our, our school year last week. So as of uh, finishing up this school year, we ended with right around uh, 125 students in VPK through eighth grade. So we have definitely experienced nice. a lot of growth uh, in the last eight years. It's been wonderful.
0: Love <laughs> this. And uh, I love that you guys have grown. I loved you had this vision to, to start this and it's obviously still working. Uh, so what I know with that comes probably challenges, and I love to ask about some challenges that schools are up against so that our listeners can hear and go, oh, I have I have that challenge currently, and this is how they're they're handling that. So what are some challenges you guys are currently up against, and how are you combating those challenges you have? So
1: for those that don't know a lot about schools in Florida, Florida is one of the most choice-friendly states when it comes to school choice for parents. And what I mean by that is that there's a lot of liberty and freedom for how parents educate their children all across the spectrum from homeschool to private school to public school to choice schools, um, everything in between. There's a lot of flexibility. And so the challenge, while that is an excellent freedom, and I am an advocate for school choice for parents, and so... um, they move around a lot though right so one of the challenges right now that we're experiencing is um not quite yet a mass exodus but a lot of people are are there's they're moving around a lot and they're changing schools a lot and they're choosing different environments for their children Um, in particular parents are putting their eyes more on um, private schools, in a lot of cases, not all, um, I can't speak for all, and um, but parents are, you know, based on different um, things happening in education, um, at least from our perspective, and uh, based on the different climates in our country and education, it all affects education, um, so the challenge is that we are growing as a result, we are grateful to be growing, and so with that challenge comes um, it comes space challenges as far as not like outer space like we were talking about, I mean like classroom <laughs> space. So, you know, having having the facilities available for all of these beautiful young souls that are coming to our campus, uh, being able to accommodate and stay true to our vision of having smaller classes, um, having enough staff to accommodate all of the students, uh, making sure that we are um, keeping up with that. and so um we are quickly growing out of the space that we are currently renting and so the board of directors is doing a great job of forecasting with the number of students based on the last two years the trend after we came out of covid Um, everyone experienced kind of a dip in enrollment in private schools in um during covid and so coming out of that we're naturally experiencing. We didn't just go back to our previous enrollment, we're exceeding it. And then next year we're projected to have probably close to 150 or 160 students. So like I said, we just ended the year with 125 and we're looking at 150, possibly 160. And so how to accommodate that and to work with yeah. the space that we're currently in. Um, so that that's a challenge. And then and then, of course, I did mention that parents move around a lot, so you have children coming from schools and environments—homeschool, public school, um, and other private schools—who are attracted to this model, right? Everyone got a taste of hybrid schooling during COVID. It was not new to us. <laughs> we were not. We were very well equipped when we had to quote move to hybrid learning. We—that's what we have been doing, and so it was not as much of a shock to us. Um, So we have, you know, a lot of um, more and more students coming from many different situations. And one of the challenges that we're encountering are those learning gaps that all schools are working with from COVID. You know, some of it is COVID related um, and then some of it is just switching curriculums, switching um, schools, switching um, in general. So whatever a family, um, you know, decides to make a big change in their schooling for their child, along with that if they're not staying in the same district right in the same kind of curriculum their child's going to experience um, challenges with that new curriculum and that new learning path that that school has so that's another challenge that we we are looking to address um, with our increased staff so so definitely there's those growth what we call it because it's In a private school, you're as much of a a business as you are a school and so we call it growing pains. So we definitely have growing pains would be the challenge and there's several other ways that we experience those growing pains um, through those logistics and the physical space as well as through the tending to the academic growth and of our students.
0: Okay, and I know that there's, the challenges I've heard from other schools that I've interviewed across the country one of the ones that comes so two that come up regularly enrollment and uh, teacher retention teacher recruitment oh, yes. so when I think of you guys teacher recruitment teacher um, uh, retention you guys have this very unique model of three days is the teacher is it easy to get a teacher in is it easier to go wait you only have to work three days well they're like wait well, I can't make enough though in those three days so I need to have another job to do it is that kind of what has to happen how does that work
1: Yes out? Mitchell you're spot on it is very difficult. Um, to find teachers sometimes for this model for the reasons that you mentioned. Um, another challenge that we have is that when we hire you know, we have a lot of teachers that are interested in coming to our school that also have students that will attend. They want their students to attend and we want their students to attend of course because we're so family-oriented. Our, our three um, core components are faith, family, and academics. So we believe very strongly in the family unit. Um, however that teacher Now the teacher is not teaching on mondays and fridays they're not responsible for what's happening at home other than providing the lesson plans but it goes without saying that parents will need that teacher sometimes on those home instruction days to clarify to correct you know are we doing this right do i have the right page you know just some things get lost in in translation or sent home incorrectly um most of the time not most of the time everything is is clear. And, but there are hiccups sometimes in the process of going between home and school. And so that teacher has to learn if they have children um, that are also in school, they're trying to balance teaching their own students at home while also trying to attend to the needs of their class. So you can imagine if, you know, you're an educator and you're listening to this, the challenge that is, well, administrators definitely know this challenge <laughs> of trying to tend to your own family while tending to your school family and they definitely um there's always tension between those two always and so um so you're right and then of course um, they're not you're right financially it's not as they're not compensated as well as they would be were they working with if they were working five days a week and um, we work really hard to compensate our teachers Of course, the best that we can. We do give them um, some compensation for some hours that they. We acknowledge that they're going to be responding to needs on the days they're not in the building, Um, but then we also try to boost morale with them. We we have those what we call fringe benefits in business, you know, whether it's um, bonus. We've done bonuses. We do. We just did a really really nice staff lunch for the end of the year. We're still small enough, you know. We have a staff of. I think it was the total invite was 28 people, right? So we're still small enough where yeah. we can bring them to a nicer restaurant and say, you know, order, you know, order a good lunch and we have time together. So you know, I, you know, community is our middle name. I say that a lot, and it's whether you're building community among the families or the staff. So it's very important. But you're right. There's um, there is a challenge of trying to. So then you have this parent, this teacher who's also a parent right and then their tuition is uh, their salary is a lot of it is going towards that tuition and so we work uh, with that too. our our teachers do get tuition discounts for their students to be there and so we're always trying to work and improve on that as well we really want to um, be able to recruit the best that we can and so how to how to create a really attractive benefits package. And I say that in quotes because all our teachers are part-time, so they don't have a typical benefits, you know, but to make it a very appealing position for them um, can be challenging. So I always used to say some of our best employees, and I don't mean by best in performance, I mean most available, best in availability, are have taught for a very long time, which is advantageous to us, but they're not quite, they're either uh, they either don't want to finish their career in a traditional sense, or they've just retired, but they want to keep working, and so they are—they've retired from maybe the public school system, or a, you know they've just retired, and they want to keep contributing to education, and they see that doing it three days a week is um, very feasible and very attractive to them. So um, that's that's kind of the the demographic that we typically attract is is right there, which again it benefits us because they've uh, they have a lot of they bring a lot of experience and wisdom with them. So our, our students really are the ones that benefit the most. Yeah.
0: Good. Well, the last one I thought of as a challenge that before we yeah. jump into the next section was what, I yeah, picture, okay, I love this model. I do really love this, the model, how it works. But then I think of the families who can really capitalize on it, you know? So I got, okay, let's say, and I'm maybe curious if this is something that you guys have currently in the school that both parents work and do they, put them in care on Monday and Friday in the mornings and then they get off in the afternoon and do school at night with the Mm -hmm. student or is there how does that dynamic work with families who are like okay Monday Friday I need to be home and I maybe maybe the people only work three days in the week so they can't homeschool their kids on Monday Friday so kind of how does that look I
1: think one of the you you bring up a great point because one of the uh, dynamics that has changed in our school which was typically um a single income earning family right so either the father or the mother was the the primary income earner and then one parent was staying home so that's very very typical of our parent population however with the increase of being able to work at home more and more people out of you know we came out of covid more people are working at home and they're staying at home because the the company's going wow this is working really well for us we're going to keep you at home so we now have several parents who are trying to juggle working at home. And I think a lot of parents and, and, and educators can sympathize with this, trying to work at home while educating your child. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? And so um, you know, we have really um, strong conversations, um, very transparent conversations with families who are going to attempt to do that because um there's one of the phrases i use with our parents often when we're doing their orientation and their training because we orient our parents as much as we orient our teachers um, because they're going to be teaching too and i always say you know you um you have to fit your day into school don't try to fit school into your day because it will go awry you have to make school the priority right you have to picture this as this is your job today you you know you are working as the teacher for your child Um, You know, I don't want to make it sound like this, you know, you know, strict job, you know, that they've been hired for, but they do have a responsibility, you know, not so much a job as a responsibility to partake in the education of their child. And so if there are going to be distractions, they have to account for that. So most of our, a lot of our parents are the demographics of our parents Um, The like I said, one parent is home or they have very flexible schedules, such as they're entrepreneurs, they have their own businesses. Um, we've had moms before that are nurses or in the medical field, so they have a very flexible schedule, um, and they can work around their student schedule. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of the engineering industry um, and military where they have what's called a 980 schedule, and so they're off every other Friday. So there's several corporations in town that work there, have their employees on that schedule. My husband happens to be one of them. So every other Friday, guess what he's doing? Fishing with my son. <laughs> so, so my son, you know, um, they go out. They get up really early on a Friday, which is a school day, but they go out. They get some fishing time in. They come back around lunchtime, maybe a little later in the afternoon, depending on how the what the bite is like, right? And so, if the biting's good, they come back a little later. Maybe they bring dinner, which was also a bonus. But if, they, but if they get home, right, this is sounding very like out in the Savannah, you know, my husband goes out and fishes. No, but he they come back, and then my son finishes his work that afternoon, or he does it on Saturday. So the reason that we have the um, home instruction days on Friday and Monday is so that families have that flexibility. If they want to do all their schooling on Saturday, um, you know, because they had something going on Friday, or maybe they're going away for the weekend, um, and so they're going to finish school on Monday, and they have to look ahead. You know, they have to plan and look ahead, um, and they decide if, what's going to work for their family. And so we love that kind of flexibility that they have, and the parents have access to the lesson plans for the whole week, not just the days their kids are at home. Mm-hmm. So they can look and see um, what were they doing the day before, what are they day, what are they doing in class the day they get back. So the parents have this wonderful perspective of. Um, how do we make this work at home to set them up for success when they're back in school on Tuesday? So it works really well.
0: I love it. I love that flexibility because I know that was my favorite part to being homeschooled my whole life was when we got to the – well, my mom would sometimes do it, but when I got to like middle school, high school, I would double up on a yeah. day so I could go do something with a friend of mine the next day all day long. And people would be like, how are you able to do that? I was like, I'm homeschooled. Like it was so cool. I just loved to be – I could – double up everything on a day and then, yeah, take the whole day off or a long weekend, like you mentioned. So love the homeschool model very much that you guys have a part of yes. your school. Now, the next part, I always love to talk about part where you get to brag about <laughs> your school, tell us what's going really awesome. So if you had to pick a couple things, you're like, Hey, this is going really good. We're really proud of this as a school. What would those yeah. be?
1: Well, like I mentioned earlier, that community is our middle name, coastal community school. And so um, in our three core Uh, core pillars are faith, family, and academics, and so we work really hard to incorporate the parents and the families. We have, um, during the school week, we have parent partners in the classroom, that's what they're called when they're volunteering on the campus, and volunteering is required to kind of keep this machine running, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the work in coming in from home and going back out to the home on on Thursdays, so um, we have parent partners, we have lots of community events, and you know, most recently I've had so many conversations with with parents that are interested in coming to our school who are coming from schools that are putting up gates and fences and locking things down and not wanting parents there and holding, you know, holding parents at an arm's length. And, you know, parents, I know a lot of parents because I talk to them, are feeling less and less um, welcome in the school environment. And here we are, welcoming parents come have lunch with your student you know sign in and get a badge yes <laughs> you know like we still have those traditional school procedures but but we welcome you and we want you to be part of this community we've had so many beautiful relationships built at the school there's families that aren't even at the school anymore because their ch- children have aged out or for different reasons and those families are still traveling together to this day they're still doing things together they mm-hmm. keep in touch and it's because of all the efforts that i think we've made To build community and and make it intentional right and and it starts in that classroom level and then it's a school-wide effort so for example we do chapel as a whole school once a month Uh, we do um, different events as a school several times a year such as community service so we'll do you know food drives and um, operation christmas child and we'll we'll do several different um, events as a school and come together um, for those. And then, of course, there's the greater community with families where we'll go camping. We have a couple weekends a year where, you know, not everyone can make it. But if you can, come, come camping. A bunch of families are going camping. Or, you know, we're going to rent a pavilion at the beach and do a beach day or, or a beach, you know, evening or a bonfire. So we um, we do that well, I have to say. Um, I think another a, a big highlight, I think, of what we do well um, is and this is definitely for for, from an administrative perspective is that we try to set the scene up well we are very different and so and we want to be different but we have to um, make sure that people understand what they're signing up for and so we have a really thorough enrollment process Um, We expect a lot of our families as they are enrolling and applying for our school, our application is a little more rigorous than a typical, uh, you know, a typical school, you know, elementary and middle school, but it's important for our parents to understand our core concept and philosophy and vision and mission so that there's not a lot of misunderstanding right so for example the home days are not just homework you know the kids aren't just sent home with a bunch of work to do on the home days that the parents have an active role in instruction and so i think we i think we also do that that pretty well um not pretty well i think we do it very well and so communication right we we say that um i always tell parents that the most successful parents and staff are the ones who are connected and communicating. And so we try to remind them of that of stay connected, stay communicating. And that goes both ways, right? It's our responsibility as a school to stay connected and communicating. And it's the responsibility of the families to do the same um, so that we can all remember that um, our, our you know our most important stakeholder is that student and we can forget that sometimes right we can forget these sweet little souls that are the ones that we're educating and we make all these big adult decisions and we forget who the who the real customer is right especially in private school right you have paying customers and that child is still has got to stay um at the forefront so um, we try to do that each year so yeah those are just a couple things i think um you know, we pick a theme each year as a school, kind of like a, a, a target word or, you know, a, it's a, a, a phrase or a verse or a target word that really keeps us focused, too, as a community. And so and it unifies us. So you know, having having things that that unify us, I feel like is something we do well also and trying to just as we grow our children, not just from grade to grade, but we grow them for life. And that is uh, one of our um, a huge part of our vision is that we are raising up twenty um, first century citizens, not just children that are going to maybe go off to college or vocate another vocation. You know that we truly are developing um, kids of character and kids that are going to enter a workplace someday, even beyond college. So we want to um, to develop the whole child.
0: Mm, I love that, and it's so good, and and so incredibly important. So I love what you guys are doing, and. I know you've already shared some good tidbits and some good advice, but as we go into the next, last question, as we close everything out, if you were to leave everybody who's listening with a piece of advice that you'd want to share with any other school leaders, what would Sarah say to everybody?
1: (laughs) Oh, there's so many things. Like I I already mentioned, right? um, Communication and connectedness. I already mentioned that, you know, to to remember the students, right? Remember who our main customers are. I, I mentioned that. Um, another thing that I really believe is that meaningful training matters. Um, our teachers, you know, we have this world of virtual develop, virtual professional development and trainings and, you know, um, you know, we could expect our teachers to spend and staff spend a lot of time doing a lot of different training. So it just has to be meaningful. Like I'm really big. I don't like wasting people's time. So if we have a parent meeting, if we have a teacher meeting, I want to make it meaningful. And I think we can forget that, right? We can just go through the motions. We have to have a staff meeting. We have, right? You know, right? Not let's let's get away from what we have to. Let's do what do we get to do, right? We get to develop and train um, our staff in this way, or we get to um, become stronger in this area. So meaningful training matters. Um, as well as personal development. I was meeting with a teacher today going over her review, and she had they had to do a self-reflection. And the teacher said, I really like this exercise, right? Because it's not me telling her, here's what you have to improve on. She's really l- looking back at that year and thinking, wow, I want to be better. People want to be better, right? They want to be the best for their students. And so um, she was really appreciative of that, of that exercise. And And honestly, something that I learned a long time ago and this kind of goes along with it is, you know, putting people and putting people by that. I mean, your staff and your teachers um, in a place where they're passionate and I have made I've made a lot of mistakes. I I have things that I'm proud of, but one mistake that I've made over the years um, just out of desperation is putting people in a grade level putting a staff person in a grade level that maybe they're not comfortable in, that maybe stretches them, and then it just doesn't go well. (laughs) So um, I had moved our second grade teacher. I needed someone in like the fifth, sixth, um, a fifth, sixth combined class for for a season and um, I kind of moved her over there and I thought, oh, you know, it's still elementary. She'll be great. Right. And she was so out of her comfort zone and it didn't it just, I mean, it went well, it didn't, it wasn't terrible, but it definitely didn't go as well as it does when she's in second grade. And, you know, she went back into second grade and has thrived even more as a second grade teacher because she saw like, well, that's what I don't want to do. I definitely want to be here. Right? <laughs> like, I'm going to prove my worth in second grade. And she is an, she's actually our founding teacher, our standing founding teacher. Um, we still have one and she, um, does a phenomenal job in second grade. So that is my advice. Like keep people, you know, read people well, get to know them and put them in their, in their purpose and in their gifting because they will, perform way better, um, you know, doing what they love to do versus what we want them to do or think that they can do. Now, I have also challenged some staff people. um, I've noticed giftings in them that maybe they didn't notice in themselves and have asked them to step into roles that they would never have thought to go into. And, um, you know, this is where we get into, um, promotion planning and, um, you know, where we're looking at who's going to be coming up as the next leaders and into next, the next different roles in the organization. And so um, just looking out for those giftings and starting small and saying, hey, you want to try to do this little piece, right? And, and doing stipend pay for teachers to do special projects that include, like mm. if you see someone who's gifted administratively and you're thinking, you know, give them some stipend work to do some special projects, um and put them give them those opportunities to grow um when it's not the biggest responsibility right give them small responsibilities like with kids we do this with kids right um we give them like we give them a little bit of rope a little more rope right we do the same thing with our staff um so um yeah we're real big on we we want people we want our teachers and staff and families to all benefit from this model and we want them to thrive and grow so yes our kids are growing but so are we as adults and so we want everyone to always know that they're lifelong learner learners that their time is valued that they are appreciated and that their purpose and their gifting and their passion matters
0: <laughs> mm, so good you could write a book out on that one it's a good <laughs> job Sarah uh it has been an absolute pleasure to interview you and hear your story hear about what you guys are doing at your school and it sounds like Things are going amazing with you guys, and you're going to grow. Obviously, it looks like you're going to have even more students this fall. So wishing you and your whole staff nothing but the best as you guys continue to grow and educate that next generation. So thank you for all you do and for starting that school in the beginnings eight thank years you. ago. And uh, keep, uh, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing awesome, Sarah.
1: Thanks. You as well. Thank you, Mitchell.
0: Well, another huge shout out and a thank you to Sarah for taking time and being on the podcast today. I loved our chat. I'm wishing her and her school nothing but the best as they continue to grow and educate the next generation. I love the part where she mentioned about community being their middle name and how that is a huge focus for them. And I'm hoping that resonated with you. Maybe your school is trying to build more of a community around itself, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And as always, maybe that's the piece or another piece that we talked about. My goal is that you take at least one thing from today's podcast that you can take back to your school to make it better than it is right now. I hope your school's going awesome, but if you're needing help growing enrollment or finding ways to connect better with your families, I'd love you to reach out to us you can find us online, schoolsuccessmakers.com. That's schoolsuccessmakers.com. We love working with schools. We've helped schools completely restructure their branding and new websites, helping them rank online so people actually find them when people are searching for schools or helping them actually grow enrollment so they can have more funding to be able to pay teachers more or do different things that they've been hoping to do they just didn't have the funds to be able to do so love working with schools because we love what you guys are doing you guys are heroes and i just love and appreciate all that you're doing to educate the next generation that's coming behind us And if that's not an option for you, we have an amazing, amazing private Facebook community that I would love you to be a part of. It's called School Success Makers. Please look that up on Facebook and join. It's just for school leaders. I'm in there personally, so I'd love to see you in there as well. School Success Makers on Facebook. We'll be here next week with another amazing guest, as usual, on the School Success Podcast. We'll see you then.